Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is Grant Cameron, and I have a super special guest today. Did this podcast once before, this uh, YouTube video, and it sort of broke down. I had to leave. And so we're going to do it again. I have my uh, my assistant, Desta Barnaby, who has had some uh, experiences and some bizarre uh Contact modalities. We, she's a co-author of a book that we did on contact modalities regarding all sorts of different ways to get in the field and and to pick up material out of the field, and that's a bit what we're going to talk about today. But my two guests today are, are Jeff Kingsbury and Chase Williams, and we sort of come friends and I've known uh, Chase for a number of years, and they have a podcast. So I want to talk about the podcast, and then we had a little discussion. We're going to do a free flow about how does reality work, uh, contact modalities, uh, as I describe it, what the hell's going on? Like when you actually go back, and I go back to my 1976 sighting, I realized that when I look back, it all makes sense that this, the second night I saw the UFO, um, as it was flying away, it came right at us, and then it turned, it made a, a turn into the north, and I looked at it and I said, that could be from another planet. And then I thought, but what the hell is it doing? It's not doing anything. And then I said, I got to figure out what's going on here. And that is basically the story of my life. I realize it's what the hell is going on. And now we're getting all sorts of uh, different stories that are coming out that indicate that we may not understand very much of anything. So uh, welcome, Jeff, and welcome, Chase. Thanks for joining in. And uh, just to mention to people, Jeff is um, on uh, um, with, it, with his boat. And uh, he may be out in the middle of the Pacific, so his signal isn't very good. Uh, but he's got very important stuff, so we want him to stick around and, and talk to us. And uh, uh, let's start with uh, the podcast. Jeff and Chase, you, you guys want to jump in and tell us about the podcast. I've been on your podcast, and I ranted it for hours. Desta, I think, has been on. Has Desta been on your podcast yet? She has. There you yeah. go. Great, great, great guest. We want her yeah. back. We want you back, too. There you go. We could have we could have another roundtable like we're doing here. So tell me about the podcast. You guys just started recently, and uh, tell us what you're trying to do with the podcast and uh, how's it going. I guess yeah, if, if yeah. can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're coming uh, in now. I uh, I think the 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 idea behind the podcast, I guess, and it's in you know just the broadest sense is just to connect people connect people with other people that have had the same type of experiences and those who have really really scrutinize the topic and we have those people on and, and kind of help inform the uh the general public or so we just want to inspire curiosity and that's i think that's what we're doing and yeah you came from a from a background of military but you had the, the ufo stuff that's that's your basic thing that got you down the rabbit hole to start exploring uh yeah well it happened er way early in life and i couldn't really connect all the none, none of the None of the events that I ever had in my entire life experiences really had anything to do with one another, I thought, I guess. I don't know. But uh, at one point, I had a black triangle encounter, really close encounter with, with my mother, and it just absolutely changed me forever. Like, I just thought that either the Air Force has some sort of <laughs> magical engine or, uh, or, or there is eventually going to be something, you know, some major announcement. Or, I, I don't know. And it, nothing, ever nothing ever came. You know, I, I, this thing was so close to me that I could, you could see like how it was put together. And it just, and, it, and the fact that we're still talking about it, 
and no pictures, no evidence, no admission. It's just obnoxious. So I've been focused on the topic since I was a kid and I've just never let go. When you, when you first came, we had a triangle panel and you and Jeff came on. Je um, Chase was mentioning the fact that you might be doing some other There was other military witnesses who had triangle settings that you might be interviewing some of these people. Did that go anywhere? Are there a lot of military people that in your career that had sightings of weird things? The, the, the people that I was originally uh, talking to about triangles, I'll say it comes down to, as you well know, there's the people who have seen it as a craft, and then there are three lights in the sky okay. sightings. You know, the three lights in the sky and the shape of a triangle that's so far away. So the, the only people promising super, super crazy stories are the ones that are also hardest to, to wrangle. So, no, I haven't been able to keep my hands on anyone from the military uh, with the black triangle stuff. But, um, but there are, you know, there's just plenty of anecdotes out there, of course, as you know. Yeah, and Jen, Chase, you've got a uh, uh, tell us about your background because you're not some guy we pulled off the street yes street corner yesterday. You 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 got some background in terms of understanding uh, AI and stuff like that. And so tell me how you got sort of dragged into this thing, and how did you link up with uh, with Jeff? I tell you, I feel like I should be living in a box in the woods right now because this, the phenomenon just gets more and more confusing. But but no, I. I've had experiences since uh, about the age of 10, uh, classic cliche experiences of uh, light in the sky following my mother and I down a desolate highway at, uh, you know, uh, late at night, early in the morning. Uh, I've seen a, a triangle as well up close, uh, very, very close, right across the street from my, my childhood home. Um, massive, the size of a, a small shopping mall or football, football field is what I used to say. Um, and I've had experiences that some would probably describe as uh, ghost experience or poltergeist activity um, that I never really associated with the aerial phenomenon stuff. But I think now that all of that's connected. And about three years ago, um, I, I got engrossed by this. So, so my background, as you mentioned, that is electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, artificial intelligence. I work with uh, automated um, vehicular systems, mainly ground-based transportation, but I do have some projects that deal with uh, uh, air-based and, and uh, very little sea-based uh, automation projects. Um, and so, you know, about three years ago, a good buddy of mine works for DOD, and we had a conversation about um, uh, remote viewing and alien abductions and sightings of craft. And that led to me just diving in for some reason. And I dove in and after about six or seven months of reading nothing but material, uh, including all of your uh, written works, um, I had uh, an experience. I had a, a C5 or a human initiated contact event um, where I was in the kitchen of my, uh, my, my previous home and I had this, this epiphany, um, that thought more or less created reality or was responsible for re reality. And I was, I was compelled to go outside and I went outside and, um, I asked this question in my head and lights appeared in the sky and, um, uh, 
I asked it again because I, I wanted to be sure it wasn't a coincidence and it happened again. And then I did it again. And then my wife at the time came outside and asked me what I was doing. And I said, I think I'm, I think I'm manifesting UFOs. And she, she said, uh, you're effing crazy. Show me. And I showed her and she lost her mind and uh, treated me like a witch for the rest of the night. And, and that's what I've been doing for, for, um, you know, since then. So I, like I said, it's been about three years. Jeff and I connected on a Facebook group because he, he was looking for other people that had a similar triangle experience to his own. And uh, I sent him a message and we connected and uh, we've been great buddies. He had, I need to go up and, and uh, get a speedboat or something and find him in the Pacific and crash his, his sailboat there. I have to get one of those cool uh, um, uh, sailing sweaters too. Jeff, that's an office reference, by the way. So yeah, that's, that's my story. Um, and what's the uh, podcast I, called? We haven't, we haven't mentioned the podcast. Strange recon, strange recon. And you go yeah. off once a week. Every Friday at 5 PM Eastern standard time, anywhere podcast can be found on YouTube and whatnot. And uh, yeah, strange recon. We just, I, I named it strange recon because uh, honestly it was it, this whole entire experience to me from my military background, I'm a retired infantryman. I, this entire thing feels more like a reconnaissance than it does a science experiment or, or anything else. And that's why I kind of named it that goofy name. But yeah, Strange Recon Podcast. And um, we're just observers in this crazy, <laughs> crazy uh, display. It's, a, it's of- a great name. It's a great name. And Jeff does an, an incredible job of pulling in guests like yourselves uh, and others that, that have, oh, no. you know, tons of tons of experience and uh, huge bodies of work and research and analysis and different facets. So, uh, you know, I think Jeff and I really want to make sure that it's diverse, that we're not bringing in people that believe the same things, uh, you know, or, or for that matter, people that even believe uh, or, or question the reality of the phenomenon itself. Um, you know, it's, it's important to get the skeptics in uh, from time to time, although it's, it can be difficult, uh, especially if you're having um, personal experiences happen to you on the regular <laughs> but yeah and, and, yes. and you do the ufo stuff but you also are open to other uh weird stuff because i've made you the offer and you've taken it up that i may have a chance to interview andrew uh, andrew gallimore with the dmt stuff so you're going to join me for that interview so you look at all these different modalities in terms of weird stuff and how it all connects and consciousness maybe being primary and stuff like that absolutely that. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, you want to you wanna go ahead and start and I'll, I'll follow you? One of, yeah, one of the first things uh, I, I want to say is that the last thing that I was thinking going down these con- different avenues of contact modalities would be, uh, would be like a, a link to my past and the experience would be, ap- it, let's just say that, that for me, I don't know, can we use the word psychedelics or sure, uh, sure. in general, that, that avenue of, of that contact modality um, is so linked to this topic now. And I don't know, I don't think anyone really knows why. I mean, I think Gallimore obviously has a re- really cool theory. And, um, and what's the name of his book, Chase? Alien Information Theory. He has two, he has two books. Doesn't he? Anyways, but what, my, po- my point is that my first time, my first time down that road, I, I had like this, this absolutely like reality altering experience that put in perspective to me that, that, uh, that maybe UFOs, maybe the paranormal in general, maybe all this weird goofy stuff that we've pretended is straight up magic for years. 
is real. It's all part of some weird thing consciousness and whatever that even means i i use consciousness by the way and i'm openly say this chase is the brain here i use consciousness all the time i have no idea what it means i have no clue no uh, I, I don't i don't know what it means either uh, and jeff two, it, it, you're too kind of and and these two people will friendly you know have a friendly acknowledgement of one's theory and then they'll turn around and go on someone else's podcast and be like He's wrong, I'm right, or you know, she's wrong, I'm right, and it's I still don't even know. So I don't even know what any of this means whatsoever, and that's what we discuss all the time. <laughs> well, you know, we 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 understand. I think we understand the basic blocks here. I mean, I I don't think certainly there are, there are, there's a part of the population, the overall global population that that doesn't understand this stuff, isn't isn't familiar with it, isn't educated on it. But I I don't think that the leaders, if you will, or the subject matter experts in the field or in these various fields that all link together, uh, would argue that non-locality or non-local consciousness is a real thing. It's been proven in uh, scientific studies, Noetic Institute, on and on. Over the past 100 years, if not longer, there are 50 to 70 papers that I'm familiar with that all prove, uh, uh, to one degree or another, modified double slit experiment, um, and utilizing some form of thought to um, to change the outcome of that versus some kind of instrument to, to watch, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the particulates through the slip. Uh, that being said, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm of the firm belief now that Grant, you and I, and, and Destin, Jeff, have, have discussed before um, Donald Hoffman's work, right, and his theory of of, uh, of consciousness or his theory of everything. And that there's this field of consciousness, the same way that there's a field of electromagnetic magnetic energy or, or anything else. And, and part of that theory is that space and time are derivative of consciousness and that consciousness, really the field of consciousness is all that there is. And I think that's, I think there's some truth there. If not, if, if that isn't the truth, um, you know, and so, yeah, my research went from, you know, I started with cattle mutilations and, and then and then on to aerial phenomenon, UFOs connected with the team at TTSA and Lou Elizondo and and worked with them. I started to build a, a sensor system for a vehicle to go out on serious expeditions in the middle of nowhere. And and um, and all of that has led to this focus on the nature of reality and consciousness itself. Um, and that's where Andrew Gallimore's book comes in, you know, an alien information theory. Now Gallimore, when you and I talked about this via email a few days ago, you know, he, he theorizes that, um, that that substance is a means to exit the simulation, right? Um, more or less. And, and I don't know if I agree with that, but, um, I know in my experiences in Peru that um, I could certainly see how somebody would think that or, or could potentially theorize that. But he seems pretty adamant about that. Um, as does Strassman. Now, I don't know if Strassman agrees with the alien information theory, but Strassman absolutely is convinced that, you know, this is a means at least to perceive alt other parts of reality that we don't typically perceive. So, um, so my hope is that through, through that study, I can, um, we can hopefully get some answers as to what 
a real phenomenon is and, and what cryptozoological events are and missing 411 stuff and uh, poltergeist activity, you know, all the above. Yeah, I think we're at least in the in the area where people are starting to look at. I don't know if you saw the video that Paul Stamets just did, the mushroom guy, and he's working on regular mushrooms, but he put the thing up that there's 40 labs now in the United States and 20 in Europe that are working on psychedelics, that this yeah. is like this revolution has just taken off. And so let me ask you a related question, because where I sort of divert from uh, Gallimore is still this idea that that matter creates consciousness and and sort of he's in a box where he's got all these you know old ideas that uh so you're an ai guy and when you were bringing up your ai experience i immediately thought to ask you the question what do you think about um the the contention that eventually we're going to get ai and we're going to have uh, uh, stuff that's conscious and has its own consciousness and stuff like that, where you can move consciousness into like a, a ship or a car or something. And related to that, the $64,000 question, what do you think of the Tesla car that went off the road in, in Texas? What, does that yeah, so, have a setback? No, no. And actually that, that, that most recent incident, uh, it's very unlikely that autopilot was engaged. I think Musk has actually announced that, you know, he's sure that it wasn't engaged. So, it looks to be just human error at the very, at the very least, uh, or, or alternatively, it could be that the operator of the vehicle was trying to engage the system in an area in which uh, he wasn't supposed to. So, uh, you know, where the, where the crash happened, it's not designed to be automated in that kind of environmental uh, um, system, uh, which is referred to as operational design domain in uh, my line of work. Um, so no, I don't think it's a setback at all. There are going to be lawyers and organizations that point to it, but no. To answer the, the broader question about AI, you know, I mean, in the near in the near future, at least for the things that are available to the general public and not the Defense Department, say, um, you know, we are a we are quite a ways away from what's called general artificial intelligence. That's something that's just as smart as a as a cat or a rat. Um, or, or potentially even smarter. Um, now everything operates on what's called um, um, narrow artificial intelligence. Um, so these are these are algorithms that adapt to inputs and out, and 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 spit out outputs. Uh, they're very they're very advanced, um, but it's not the same thing as something that thinks for itself. Uh, I eventually it will get there, whether or not that will be the same type of consciousness? I don't know. You know, I mean, if, if, my, if my own personal theory of consciousness is, is at all accurate, I don't think we'll ever get there. Um, but that's not to say that we won't have machines that will think in a very similar fashion to the way that humans do and make yeah. decisions in a, in a very similar way. Um, you know, I mean, this is something that comes up in, in my industry all the time with self-driving cars and you know, I'll be at a conference or I'll be in a, in a board meeting and somebody will say, well, what happens if somebody walks out in front of my, my self-driving car with an AR-47? What does the car do? It just stops and they shoot the car up. Of course, this is the, this, is the, this kind of thing only happens in the United States, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a joke. Um, but, 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 uh. But, but I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a legitimate question, you know, and if, if it was half as smart as a human or as smart as a human, the car would either 
try to run the person over to protect the, the occupants or it would back away really quickly or, you know, whatever. Um, so these are referred to as edge cases. And um, I actually work with one of the leading organizations in the world that has one of the broadest sets of edge cases. They, they have their own neural network that just has edge cases, you know, anything you can imagine with kids in um, Halloween costumes, the kangaroos jumping across uh, a busy city streets in, in uh, downtown Chicago, you know, um, <laughs> things that are very unlikely to happen. Um, so as they build that, these machines get smarter. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll get there. Um, but I don't, I don't know about transporting your consciousness, your consciousness or my consciousness to a machine. Uh, I guess in theory, it's, it's possible. That's way above my pay grade grant. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What, what what about the government? And maybe Jeff, you can jump in too on this. Like, what, what do you what do you think they've actually got? Because you hear all these, you know, stories about you know they've got this, they got that, they're shooting them down, and all this kind of stuff. Do you think they've made any headway on this problem? Because you know that they're looking at it the same as you and I are looking at it. You're just trying to figure out like what is going on here, and then you get indications where, for example, Jim Semivan comes up and says uh, they're ultra terrestrial. They created us and uh, they communicate in symbols, which indicated that he seems to clearly indicate he has some idea what's going on. So in, in your experience, you may not even have any experience. Do you think the government is got like a real deep program where they're making some success or are they stumbling around the same as you and I are? If, uh, I'll jump in here. I, I, I personally, <laughs> I, I don't know how much I, I uh, dig in or buy about some of these stories where the briefings are happening between, you know, major officials and certain individuals. And I know I absolutely believe that they've actually happened. I just don't know how, how much uh, acknowledgement they're actually given and how seriously they're taken. But I mean, it, with anything, you're going to try to understand it. I'd like, like, let's jump back to 2004. If you dropped a piece of basic army equipment, like the, like a frequency hop and radio, they, it had, it had means of destroying itself. So just so like the enemy can't pick it up and touch it, like it has, it has, you know, just the most basic radio and to relate that to like an alien craft, wouldn't they also have the same measures? Wouldn't that, wouldn't the technology be so foreign that it makes no sense to us and it would take far longer than just a few decades of, of poking and prodding it to make it work. And if it's run by consciousness, wouldn't zero progress be the realistic outcome? <laughs> no, like it would just be, you'd be looking at uh, something that, has you have no frame of reference for and i and I've, of course with i mean if the lore is even close to being close to being right and i think you know the like the late 80s early 90s lore of ufology i would say that that if that's the point that that we're at i, I would say no advancement is being made and I, I don't know and and i think that you can be just as theoretical with an idea like let's take the bletzos yeah. Let's take the white, the white, uh, the white, the woman in white idea uh, or the, uh, the the idea that there's that there's like a visitation happening between that. Are we to are we to be sure that because this this thing is happening? I know it's happening everywhere else, but this is the representative for them. The, all of them, all of consciousness or all of like, say, other life out there, this one being that's I I, I get very worrisome when I when I hear like a a. a completely benign and benevolent 
whatever. I, I don't know. To, to answer your question, I don't really think that we know what's going on. I think that I think that the, the there's multiple conspiracies going at once, one of which being we have amazing technology we're trying to hide. The other being UFOs being aliens or hyperdimensional or whatever are real. And of course, that there's um, that we might actually have some of that or, or our adversaries might actually have some of that. Anyway, we'll let, we'll let Chase jump in. But let me ask you as a follow up to that. In, and both of you can answer this question. Do you think that you were chosen? Do you think that yours is a random experience where you just happened to be in the wrong place? Or are you part of this whole mystery? Is Was your sighting intentional or random? Um, for myself, I'd say that I, as a child dying, I think kind of was part of the beginning of it all. So I don't know if that had anything to do with being chosen or not, but I, I mean, I choked on a sandwich <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, you know, I died for kind of a significant amount of time. And I think that whatever... well, that's the thing. 39% of all experiences have had a near death experience, UFO experiencers. And I don't think yeah. that's a chance. And so, I mean, and if, and if, that, and if that's maybe why I got to see the, the amazing things I've seen with plenty of other witnesses, like I, you know, I'll, I'm happy to talk about my experiences. Um, but that I wouldn't understand why me, I, you know, I, I don't like myself enough. <laughs> to say that I'm special doesn't make any sense to me that why I'd be chosen but yeah I, I don't know you know I, I I have experiences other people have seen with me that even they walk away being like this there's no way this happened it was never mind I'll just think about something else in the next 20 years you know it's like so I don't I, I don't know what to think about it yes I do think that it's absolutely it's rare or maybe I don't know maybe let's, I'm, go, I hate let's go to Chase and then you come back and tell me one of those stories okay good <laughs> yeah you know I think um Look, there are a couple of things that stand out to me. I don't think I'm special. I don't think I'm any different than anybody else. I think if, if Hoffman's theory of everything is accurate and time and space are derivative of, of this field of consciousness that might exist, um, then we kind of already, we, we can make the assumption that time is an illusion, which is a common thing that comes up in these things, right? We can also make the assumption that separation is an illusion as well. Uh, so there is no distance and there is no time. Um, and if that's the case, then everything that could happen, that did happen, that is happening, is all happened and is happening all at once, all in the same spot. Um, you know, but 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 to extend that thought out a little bit, um, I've had two two key figures. Um, tell me the same thing over the past 24 months. Um, and, and I know they don't know each other. And they both said that, well, they, they've both said that um, what we think about influences what we perceive. And, and that seems so obvious to say, um, but you know, here's a red box. It's red. But but I mean, it 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 goes much much deeper than that. I honestly think that, and we've had this conversation before, Grant. When you start to focus on the topic, you experience more things. Yeah. The further down the rabbit hole you go, the crazier stuff you start to experience, and and that absolutely happened with me. Um, you know, I, I first had the C five experience, and then there was another C, and then it was like a C5 experience almost every night um, and poltergeist activity in the house. 
And this was all that I was thinking about um, at the time, um, fewer distractions from work and whatnot. So, you know, I, I think, um, I honestly think these things are a part of reality. And if we change the way that we think about things, we can perceive some, if not all of this stuff. Um, and, and, you know, as Jeff just said, you know, if you have a strange experience and you, and you don't have anybody to really talk to about it, um, likely most people just put it to the back of their mind and they don't, they don't talk about it. They don't talk about how when they were 13, all the doors in the house closed all together all at once. And that, you know, they were in the house by themselves and there's no explanation for it. So, you know, maybe I just imagine that I have a good friend of mine who's had some incredible experiences, stuff that we just, he tells you about him. And it just, you go, that's, in, that's incredible. Um, but he has rationalized all of his experiences. Well, it was sleep paralysis and it was um, op an optical illusion. And, you know, it, it was really bizarre, but, you know, logically I can't explain it. So there's gotta be a, a logical explanation for this. Um, and I think a lot of people probably revert to that uh, instead of understandably uh, obsessing over it and, uh, and spending, you know, uh, buying every book there is on the market and, uh, and, and trying to talk to every experience there is. I think we're in the, the minority. Uh, back to you, Jeff. Give me one of these uh, very bizarre experiences that, that you've encountered. Uh, all right. Well, that's, uh, you know, the I think the, the earliest, the absolute earliest, I can remember some crazy event as you know, like I said to you the first time I met you Grant or Desta as well like I had no idea that these were even related to the same topic I think Chase even said that a minute ago I mean I absolutely don't understand it but when I was a child with my brother we walked into this tree fort I mean this fort we had in, in uh, the backyard and it was covered in remember booby traps <laughs> traps all there's no girls allowed type of thing and uh, and we we get in there and uh and um, and on the floor of this thing uh, of this this uh, fort is this what looks like a feathered star. It looks like it has feathers and little spores and pearls all over it. It was the weirdest looking thing we ever saw. It was a starfish upright and walking. Both my brother and I, it was only like 50 feet from the back of the house, took off running as fast as possible to get my father. And of course, the, the same guy gave me the same, same response 40 times, 40 different events, not literally 40, but. It would be oh you're full of shit or something and then we'd go over and look at you look and it'd be gone and uh my same brother was you know with us when things like that would happen all the time the next major one that happened that really concerned people because the babysitter was witness to it liz friary is her name i, I haven't talked to her in years but um i'm walking and this is where i kind of disagree with you guys a little bit about about thinking about it brings it on because quite frankly I can't seem to manifest or have an experience when I, when I really spend weeks or months, I didn't think about it. It comes like I'm walking along, do, 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 and then all of a sudden something will happen. Like I am completely, you know, I'm not thinking about it whatsoever. And, um, and I'm walking by the horses right from the swamps where I live in, in a South of Boston area. And I hear a thud and I look over to my right and there's what looks like a, pipe or a large fire hose or something and it's like eight feet long and uh i get up next to it and i realize it is a snake and it's a strange looking snake it's a tan snake with a with a weird lizard looking like head and it is chopped into bits 
except for a few spots and it's still alive and it's spinning and it's rotating over on itself and it's spinning right in I, the only way I can express what it looks like is it, it was on an invisible shish kebab over an invisible fire and it was and it was hissing and biting and it was because its head was lopped off it was biting at nothing and like just and you could hear it it was it was uh very it was like you know in the death throes it was wild and and i screamed i was a child i screamed i was like holy you know the biggest snake i ever saw in my life i thought it was someone's exotic pet here comes the babysitter comes over she screamed she never seen anything like it because it's moving it's spinning and it's not spinning like it's rolling over itself it's disconnected in many of the spots so it's like connected by some sort of invisible it was insane and and uh it it she dragged me away she turned around to go back to look for it and it was gone this thing wasn't going anywhere it was not connected it was like a slinky with like you know 15 different <laughs> it was just absolute but event after event and we'll just jump to like the the one that really pretty much solidified that that that, that either there's a technology out there that is absolutely beyond you know arthur c clark there's a tech beyond that law beyond it it's beyond magic it's beyond what consciousness as we know it or we're trying to articulate it we're trying to be philosophical about it uh, we eight friends of mine were in a warehouse in paul dever massachusetts uh paul dever uh mental hospital um it's formerly miles standish i told this on your podcast uh during that triangle thing i mean i People often say they see like an upper body of something. They never see a full body. I am one of those people. I'm in that camp. I, I got to see an entity or, or something, but it was only the upper body. And uh, it scared the living hell out of us. It, uh, it scared us out of that building. We all got a great look at it. We all, we all to this, to this day, we're at, you know, we talk to each other. That's the only thing we talk about. We talk once every three years or so. And, uh, and for me, it was this alien encounter that changed my life. It was this horse headed mutant looking gray freak white solid white but look kind of like a gray kind of i guess i don't know but uh but for everyone else it was a ghost story they just kind of moved on but when i had my first psychedelic experience that's when i and i had nothing on my mind about the paranormal whatsoever i was there to get ptsd treatment for veterans and i'm over there make saying some chant <laughs> saying some mantra over and over and over again to to try to relieve myself of these PTSD problems before I consume this, this, uh, this thing. And uh, sure enough, the second I do, it's just like I slip away to this, this black void where all these other entities are doing their own thing. They're, they're looking at me like they're disgusted by me. <laughs> and then I hear that, you know, I have this interaction with this giant headed thing in a cloud. And it told me if it didn't scare me out of there, it, we would have been taken by some guy down in the steam tunnel. Someone was hiding from the police down there. And it quite literally showed me some kind of plump guy with a bent nose and a, and a, a scar under his eye. And he's sitting there watching TV. I froze and know what, what to do. And I'm in someone's house looking at someone's face, watching TV. And they don't know I'm there. I'm looking at them. And it told me that this guy was hiding down there. And if it hadn't have scared us all out, that I would have went down there and he would have, you know, got us. I don't know, maybe had a gun or something. But uh, it was in the, in the event, by the way, we went back the next day. We checked the, the the thing that showed itself to us was 40 feet off the ground, had gone through a steel plate wall and somehow managed to be solid white. I don't know how to even describe it. It, it. it emitted no light like it was shining. But yet when you looked at it, it was solid white. You know, it was absolutely wild. And uh, yeah, I haven't anything crazy like that happened since. But it's uh, I've had a bunch of weird 
quick sightings here and there and just stuff that I absolutely thought would be, you know, I, I'm one of those people that I've been to war. <laughs> I've, I, I'm a trained observer. I have all these things that set me up to kind of like be aware and hyper, hyper alert, hyper vigilant and stuff. But I'm, I'm like afraid to look up in the sky <laughs> when I'm walking around at night in Northern country. It's so, there's so many stars up here. You guys are from the Northern country. You know, you're from, I guarantee that your star, your average night sky is so much more impressive than say where I lived in New York city or in Boston or Detroit. And uh, it's, you know, up here where I'm at now on the boat, it's, I'm like walking around at night, like a, like a cat walks around looking for owls and stuff. Like I'm like, <laughs> you know, I, I want, it's uncomfortable and, and I, I hate being this way, but it's just because what I've seen, what I've seen come out of the sky over our heads, you know, it's just, it's just, I don't know. I think, I don't know if Chase is that same way because I think the relationship that the Chase has with the phenomenon is, is, is far different. He's got that CE5 approach to it. And I just, I, if I, if I could get that, outlook i feel like i'd be a lot different but there's something uncomfortable <laughs> i don't know before we go to chase um let me uh, i just make a point that usually it happens my, my the contact modality theory is it happens when your left brain is shut down when you're not thinking about it when, when, oh, okay. it's like when you were in dreams like they'll come to you in dreams because you know your rational analytical mind isn't trying to when you try to manifest it it's your ego that's trying to you know okay i'm going to figure this thing out and you mentioned the thing about the military. You know the story about the Skinwalker Ranch, and Chase can yeah. jump in on this because yeah. he's had conversations with Lou Elizondo. Is the idea where these special forces guys go in and they yep. get stopped in the middle of the road and they say, "Leave, you are not welcome." And according to what I, that's what Bigelow says. When I heard what they did to the government guys, I decided it was time to sell the ranch. And when it, and I heard the stories about the wine bottles flying through the the room, smashing off walls and stuff, and all the roommates move move out and stuff like that. So you're telling basically the same story about the military, because you get this impression like we're gonna we're doing this study now at the Senate, and we're gonna we're gonna figure out how these things work, and and they're in yeah. our airspace, and we're gonna get them. And you seem to be telling the same story as the military guys at Skinwalker Ranch is give your head a shake that they're going to tune you in. If you decide you're going to take this on that we have nothing to take this on that you can be the toughest, biggest macho military guy in the world. And this thing will bring you to your knees. Yes. And the, the thing that I've been leaning more and more this way, and I know we, you know, it's all, it's all speculation, right. But I've been leaning more and more this way every year. I feel is just that if it was this ultimate Supreme technology, you know use use your mind to, to what we could absolutely be but even beyond that uh that what what are we to these things you know and i and i hate to even put because I, I have all these notes from watching all these interviews with lou that i just watched uh because i want to go back kind of fresh up freshen up and he just did a um like a press conference i don't know if you guys saw that uh, he did a press conference on uh naps channel i think and anyway, but uh it's this threat aspect of it not to say that they are so powerful that they could they could do whatever they want. So why even not think of it like that? But I would say that it's 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 pretty much futile to 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 put. I think to push this this idea that they are a danger. Uh, they they're out there doing dangerous stuff to people all the time. I don't think that's the way it works, really, unless you manifest it like that. I don't know. Maybe that's actually happening, but um, I don't know. He he mentioned threat, adversary. He mentioned. Um, the trouble we might be in because we're not dealing with this threat. Yeah. He mentioned um, that the, you know, he didn't want to say the word conspiracy, but that there, you know, adverse stuff going on at work here behind the scenes that makes it seem even more dangerous to me. It's, I don't, I don't know. 
I, I suppose it could be. I mean, scientists actually, scientists preserved elephants, but it was actually scientists who ordered 40,000 of them dead when they thought they were going to revive the, uh, the plains of, the, uh, of Africa. So it's like, we don't really, even though they're not doing anything bad to us, they could be, you know, just as brutal decision-making wise when it comes to, uh, you know, their interaction with humans. I don't know. Yeah. Well, one, one thing Knapp did say is this manifestation, and Chase can jump in here because he's talked to Lou, but Knapp said those that were the most aggressive to the phenomena at Skinwalker Ranch had the worst experiences. And yeah. this is the idea that, that you are part of the experience where people think, this is where I was talking about this thing, are you, is, is this a random event? Because people think it's, it's a random thing out there. I'm a random thing and I just happen to run into it and there's no connection. And the more I look at it, um, it appears that yeah. we are part of what we're seeing, that we are, we are not disconnected from it and that, you know, it, it's not the random thing that people think it is. Can I, I just want to say too, sorry about the noise. I, I got to hear a giant crane right next to me. But um, one thing is too, the first time I met you in Desta, I, I said, uh, I, it, this could be a lasting effect. And I don't know, maybe it is, maybe it is. Maybe I'm just my own guilt from war or whatever. But I, tr I truly do feel like there has been a change in my experience of my interaction or, or whatever, my relationship with the phenomenon, if that's what you want to call it, um, after my time in war. Like deliberate, I never, I, I, even though I was a lurker, I was always on this topic. I studied, I used to call police stations and newspapers and military bases, asking all these probing questions. Uh, <laughs> um, that, that I really do feel like fundamentally there is something that has changed after my time in war. Now, whether that be what we're talking about right now, or maybe that's just on my own, my own subconscious, but to me, why would you bother interacting with the most brutal of your of the humans down on planet earth you know what i mean like why would you out of all the this place is crawling with organisms out of all the things here why would you want to i mean and not that nature is any more peaceful but in general it's just uh, i i i kind of feel that has something to do with it though i've had sightings of ufos or uap or things like that since it is not like the interactions i had earlier maybe it's just like the phenomenon of like when children kind of you know kind of scale out of it i don't know maybe that's what happened but either way because I was a young man, but uh, I just feel like that has something to do with them. Okay. Chase, jump in. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, to, to Jeff's point and, and to your point, um, Grant, um, that's what I meant. You know, the, the more you study this, the more you start to think about it in the background versus in the foreground, right? Um, and, and I think that's probably what, what, uh, what causes a, an increase in frequency of events to occur. To... to, to um, talk about skinwalker i've heard the same things i've heard from um people that that were out there that you know some really horrible horrendous uh injuries uh have occurred uh, to uh former or or current military um uh, you know people people within the, the military that, that go out there especially if they're armed um you know my thought is it's it's some some form of amplification uh, like you said grant you go out there and I'm ready to deal with this. I've got a gun. Anything comes up near me, I'm going to shoot it. The portal, whatever, ghost dog. That's probably not the right attitude to have. Maybe maybe it is like a reflection of whatever you uh, have buried inside of that, uh, that head of yours. Um, you know, and then on to Elizondo's um, pitch about the aerial phenomenon being a threat uh, or potentially adversarial, uh, you know, I, 
I honestly don't think he believes that. I think it's part of his pitch when he was at the Pentagon, when he was trying to sell this and it's just stuck with him. And, and, and maybe, maybe it's intentional. Maybe the idea is we have to get people, the general population to take this seriously because it's real and it's here. And if, if we don't, um, if we don't frame this the right way, they're not going to take it seriously. So maybe if we say it's potentially a threat, it's potentially adversarial, it's potentially human well, uh, developed technology, then people will pay attention to it. That being said, Lou, over the past, um, oh, go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to say that he, this all came when a bomb drop moment when he brought up the nuclear, nuclear, our nuclear technology. The media basically was just like, holy cow, you know, like he, he said that uh, he said they came here and they, they they shined a, you know, they shined a light down. They shut down our yeah. nuclear technology. Somebody's like, you know, and then, you know, you're leaving that to people that sell fear for a living. Yeah, I'm right. not saying like you might be right. You might be right. Lou probably does. It doesn't actually believe it in that same manner. But I just mean no. just to, the idea. That no. All these keywords... Yeah. And, and, and Lou and, uh, you know, I was going to mention um, there's a podcast called Two Seals and a Walrus not to take attention away from, from Grant and Jess's podcast or, or our own Strange Recon, but there's, there's a, a, another podcast called Two Seals and a Walrus, and, the, and the, the, the main guy there, the walrus, has said the same thing that Lou said to me years ago, um, and that's that um, actually this is, this, is the, this is what Lou told me immediately after I had my first C5 contact. I had that event. The next morning, I called Grant, told Grant, um, Grant, you and I, we, we talked for an hour or two after that, immediately after it happened. And after I talked to Grant, I called Lou. And I said, Lou, this just happened. Um, lights appeared in the sky. They, they were answering a question that I had in my head. The question was, thought controls reality. Simple as that. Thought creates reality. And um, Lou said, yeah. Um, this is something that we used to be able to do that we've forgotten we could do. And that's what he said. And that's exactly what the walrus on two seals and a walrus said on a recent video. Somebody asked him, he said the exact same thing uh, about that. So, you know, I don't know, but, but then, then the question is what in the world are the lights in the sky? Is that, uh, what is that? If, if it's not, an alien vessel from another planet in this three-dimensional reality, you know, and then to further complicate the question of things, I think that based on our observations and in, in the science and academia, that it's highly probable that we are not alone in this galaxy or this universe, that life is very abundant, physical three-dimensional life is very abundant and that they, these other intelligent species that have the capabilities to traverse uh, star systems uh, and galaxies have have visited this this planet before. I mean, Sagan in, in 1962 or 63 wrote a paper for NASA um, about uh, interstellar galactic civilizations traversing uh, space, and you know his his theory in 63 was that we'd been visited something like six or seven thousand times um, by all by different species. So um, yeah, I went off on a tangent there, but, but I, I honestly, I don't think Lou truly believes that this is a threat to humanity or to, you know, uh, 
the earth. Uh, I think it's, I think that's just part of the pitch. Uh, le- okay. Let me make a point on that. And then let me ask another question on Lou. Um, I, I've said that before, cause I, I did the presidents and I know how this thing started. And I'll absolutely maintain this thing started not with Tom DeLonge. It started with B- B- Hillary Clinton and John Podesta. And at that time, the big, the big cheese was not, DeLong, it was Leslie Kane because Leslie Kane had written this New York Times bestselling book. And if you look in there, they were pitching, Podesta and her were pitching that this was a threat to airline traffic. And of course, I guess the Congress went, get the heck out of here. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. And they, so you that's the old thing. You've got to pitch it. Even John Alexander said, they, you know, he had this uh, advanced physics theoretical working group in the 1980s, all these uh, top secret SCI guys in there. And, and they're trying to figure out how it works. And they were pitching it as well. They were trying to get money for research as well. And that's what he said. We used the threat thing too. You got to use it. Otherwise, nobody's going to give you any money. Right. Yeah. And, and Dest, have you got a question to jump in here on something? Not yet, but I definitely will. Okay. Uh, there was something else about Lou, about um, this whole thing, but it's, it's sort of... Um, Escaping me now. Can I ask you, uh, uh, Grant? Since you've been you've been talking to me for decades, it's my turn to uh, ask you questions. Um, okay, go. Uh, what do you think about? Um, what did you think about the triangle footage off the the Navy? There, I mean, let's just go back to nuts and bolts stuff. Uh, what did you think of that video through the night vision of um, of what looked like a pyramid or triangle or I don't know what. Um, well, I think I didn't really follow the story that closely. I just said it was pretty weird that they, 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 we got this triangle book and suddenly they got this another triangle. My, my key thing is the idea that it's leaked. And this is this idea that I say, like Lou Elizondo, when Lou Elizondo left the Pentagon in disgust, you know, that I'm, I'm resigning, I'm out of here, you're not doing what I want. And then they, they suddenly he's got these videos. And when you, reti- when you resign in disgust, you were in the military. Uh, you walk out, they don't give you the videos when you when you leave. I mean, this is not how it works. And I always said, how did the videos get out? Whether they're classified, unclassified, whatever, they got out. So when the fact they leaked this thing, again, indicated to me the government wanted this thing out. They wanted this thing leaked because they got this plausible liability. Nobody's really questioning, like, how does it get out? They just say, oh, another leaked video. You see another leaked video. And everybody has an argument about it, and that's what they want. The thing that interests me is that what you see is, they're doing the triangle things, but if you listen to the, what was the the um, the whole thing at um, the Nimitz when you I saw the latest interview with Fravor where he's talking about well what did you see I'm up at whatever he was 25, 20,000 feet or whatever and what did you see oh it was this thing it was at the at the ocean and what was it doing it was bouncing around like a ping pong ball and I said holy shit that's what I saw in 1975 it was called the bouncing ping pong ball it was bouncing around the sky eight inches of the field of vision and I went that's unbelievable this thing's jumping around. And the question is, like, why would if the intelligence do this? The, you got these F-18s, and they're they're bouncing around like a ping pong ball. Then they send some craft under the water to make bubbles, big bubbles and stuff like that. And then said, and Eric Davis said that was the last time the the um, the, the Tic Tac thing was seen, 2004. Then in 2015, they appear as uh, balls inside of cubes. And now we got triangles. And, and the, the phenomena keeps changing what it's showing. It's not the same phenomena every time. It's always a day. Even this triangle is different than the last triangle that they leaked. The other one looked like the Batman balloon. And it wasn't a Batman balloon because we, Desta and I would know that a Mylar balloon in Winnipeg, you take it at 20 below and walk out of the, the, the store with a Mylar balloon. By the time you get to the car, it's deflated. 
because that's what Hadatsa works. So there's no mylar balloons at 35,000 feet that are completely intact and all the edges are very clean on it and stuff like that. So that's the part that sort of got me was the fact that uh, the, the phenomena is not revealing. It's doing this uh, theory of, wow, this weird, take a look at us, what do you think? But they're not confirming anything. The same as the government's not confirming, almost like they've learned the thing from the from the uh, from the, uh, the military. And I think what they're doing is leaking the, the videos, and the, these films and stuff where they're just trying to raise the consciousness so they can get funding. To me, it's always about funding, whether they're the threat thing. I don't think I agree. I don't believe they believe the threat thing. They're trying to get this um, this whole notion about the fact that um, there's something there. That we that we just simply don't understand. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with you. The funding thing for sure. I don't everything else you said as well. I, I, the, I don't know if it's a if he's if they if anyone actually believes the threat thing. Uh, I just you know that's obviously humans' best tool. Like we were saying, like you just said a minute ago, we they had to frame it like Alexander had to frame it like it was a threat. I mean, it does seem to be the only way to get any money. But it just but then let me ask you segue into the fact that. That Lou, if you go back and watch every single thing Lou ever said yeah. after he left, um, it's like it's it doesn't sound like he ever left the like any office. Oh yeah. So wouldn't it be better to just pitch it to someone who's pretending to be out of the office as opposed to pitching it to just who knows what's going to happen on the internet? And and so the evidence goes out to exactly who they want to, or 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 you know in some in some manner. But uh, I don't know. I I my I go by my gut on this one. And I'm going to go with what John Greenwald was originally thinking <laughs> and how it's uh, there's there's probably a bigger just like we're saying right now, the, the biggest thing is funding. And even yeah. even if it means kind of misleading the public, as long as you think you're being patriotic about it, I, I you know. Admit, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Chase. Well, I was just going to say, you know, the, the, the walrus made an excellent point and he said, you know, these things, these things are real um, and the public is not ready to accept this this reality but just imagine for a minute what it would mean if um things were released too quickly and uh your local police department your local law enforcement just didn't show up everything would just fall apart uh, especially here in the united states so um you know it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thought i think it's it's slow it's a slow release of information frame just the right way, probably utilizing a ton of, uh, of, of uh, psychology and, and, and uh, you know, social behavior studies to ensure that the population digests this and, and, and accepts it at the right rate uh, over X amount of time, um, because it, it really is, it, 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 I really, I don't think that there's a, a threat, that there's any inherent threat or, or risk uh, to our safety as humans. Um, but I, I think people are going to have a really difficult time grasping that they don't know anything, like you started this, pod, this, this interview off, and that they aren't at the top of the food chain, that we're probably not even near the top of the food chain, if there is even such a thing. Um, yeah. Uh, I just remember my question was, did you see the, the Elizondo interview with Debrief? Uh, I actually did a, a podcast with Yossi Ronan about it because he picked it up as well. He contacted me and said, did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? And I said, yeah, I heard what he said. And that was the whole thing where they asked him the question, 
uh, if this is off world or on world do. And he said, hang on, hang on. And he said, let's uh, just go down the rabbit hole. Let's speculate. It can't may not be binary. It may be right here. It may be multi. And he actually spent like five minutes on this whole rant about it may not be off world. This is, so what did you think when you, you heard this, this, this idea that they may know that this thing is way more complex and maybe that's what the cover-up is all about. And as I would answer before I forget again, um, Jeff's question about is Elizondo still working? I said this right at the beginning. I did some, some YouTube videos where I said, um, if you know how the, 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 he was under a lot of pressure to produce his, his uh, retirement letter, his, his resignation letter. And then suddenly uh, Chris Mellon's website is open and there's all this material on his website and the guy from Great Britain picks it up, downloads it. And then they say, oh, that website was hacked. He didn't have the code or whatever, you know, and all this stuff came out. One of them was Lou Elizondo's resignation letter. So they said, it's on there. And I said, it's fake. And they said, well, no, well, I said, let me see the, show me the video, the, the retirement thing. And, and I take a look at it. And it's got like deferred retirement is misspelled. It doesn't have a date on it. So, I mean, how do you resign without a date on the resignation letter? And he resigned to the Secretary of Defense. You don't resign to the Secretary of Defense. You resign to your, your higher superior in the Department of Defense Intelligence Agency. You don't resign to the Secretary of Defense. And so when I saw that, then I sort of realized that it was the same game. Like uh, the story I heard about Semivan. So you get, I, and I talked about Semivan eight months before I went public with TTSA. So Semivan, the story was that Semivan had had the experience and he went to, to Ron Pendolfi and he said, I had this experience with my wife last night. These beings were in the room and Ron says, you don't need to know. And he said, I don't need to know, bring your boss and we'll, we'll talk about it. And so they bring in Tenet, I think the CI director. And he said, leave it alone. There's nothing you can do about it. Pretend it's a one-off, pretend it'll never happen again. Leave it alone. It'll destroy your career. And the story I was told, whether right or wrong, was that the minute Semivan retired, that's when they gave him the security clearance. And that's what Kid Green, Kid Green says as well, that when you're in the government, you don't have the top security clearance. But when you go to a contractor, then Ron Pandolfi read him in and told him what was going on. And so you get the retired guys. All these things are run by retired guys. They come out, they got the plausible deniability. I'm not really working for the government. And uh, so that's that. They, when Jeff was talking about, is he still working? I think, yeah, because he always will go there. He'll say, you know, I still got a security clearance and I don't want to say this. I don't want to say that. And you can sort of indicate that he has this plausible deniability being retired. But the question is, in, in intelligence, do you ever retire? And as we wait for Jeff Kingsbury to answer the question, do intelligence people ever retire? That'll end part one. Tomorrow we'll do part two with Jeff Kingsbury and Chase Williams.